But first, let's talk to Rick Kamla from NBA TV about what we saw last night. Looks like the Heat have finally put it together. And Rick joins us here on the Solomon Brothers Diamond Line. What's up, big guy? Archer Abdel, what's happening, man? You guys um, rolling into Memorial Day weekend with a big old smile on your face or what? That's right, brother. If the boss was in here, we'd break out the brown liquor already. But uh, can't do it. What's up, Bob? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Bob is back there. Bob is, what is Bob doing here? Traditionally, you know, we used to bring six packs in on the Friday before Memorial Day, get nice and lathered up on the air, but the boss is here. So all that goes yeah, out Yeah, Rick, the I apologize for the little pregnant pause there from Mike. He just stepped away to t- turn his burger over here on the Weber grill we got going in the studio. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. I like it. I like it. Hey, it's, it's, it's a party weekend, man. As long as you stay safe, keep a smile on your face. There you go. Hey, let's talk about this, uh, this game coming up, the game seven, the matchup between about. Uh, the Celtics getting an additional day. Additional day, Rick. When you start talking about uh, the Celtics getting an additional day for the old bodies to kind of get ready for a, a seven game, a seventh game push now to try to to take care of business against the Sixers. Is this going to be a, one of those kind of games where it's a low scoring game? I, I would assume that's what the Sixers need. It's going to be an absolutely brutal offensive basketball game. It might be in the seventies, guys. When you consider. Um, the defensive intensity of a game seven, the fact that the referees pretty much swallow their whistles in a game seven, you got to clobber a guy to get a foul. So they're not going to be sending you to the free throw line on a little touch foul. Um, every point is going to be precious in this basketball game. Literally, it might be 79-78. But I think the extra day uh, that you just brought up is crucial for Boston. If this were uh, if game six, then an off day, then game seven, um, I would have liked Philly in that one because they're young and athletic and they're playing with house money. But now that Boston has had that extra day to sort of um, inhale and exhale and get themselves right again and think about what they need to do, I think they're going to take care of business, but it's going to be ugly. But let me tell you this. It's going to be ugly in the Eastern Conference Finals because Boston um, has had to go six with Atlanta, six hard games, uh, then seven with Philly, and the Miami Heat are going to have like three days off. I haven't done the math here uh, before the Eastern Finals start on Monday. So Miami's going to clobber them in game one, in my opinion. I think Miami's going to win game two as well. I think Boston might keep hope alive in game three, and then it goes Miami-Miami. I don't see the Eastern Conference Finals being that competitive, to be honest with you. It's Rick Campbell from NBA TV. He likes the heat, so plug him into the championship. Uh, Solomon Brothers Diamond Line, he joins us here on 790 The Zone. And, Rick, we talked earlier about uh, you know talk about a, a nice time for a three-day break after the heat get humiliated in game three up in Indianapolis. All the criticisms, Dwayne Wade goes and talks to Tom Crean, his old head coach, down at Indiana. More time for his knee to get uh, get a little bit better. But they just come back, and this is the heat the way I think everybody envisioned it. One guy going for 30 or 35, the other guy going for 25 or 30 every night. And we're seeing this now with LeBron and Wade, and LeBron being a facilitator as well. And they have to play this way right now with Chris Bosh out. They have no choice. They have to be incredible players every night. When Chris Bosh is there, those guys have the luxury of not taking a night off, but they can have an off night. They can have a 5 of 15 as long as Bosh is going 18 and 9, and then you got LeBron going 30, 10, and 10. You know, Wade can have a 5 for 15. Wade can't have a game right now. Wade's got to be mega. LeBron's got to be mega. The last three games they have, and they have won those games, as long as James and Wade stay healthy and they're rolling the way they are, um, I, I, I've sort of come around on my heat person without Bosch. Um, I, you know, I still, it, it's still going to be really hard for the Heat without Bosch to beat either OKC or San Antonio. But the show that Wade and James put on 
uh, in games four, five, and six against Indy, gave him the confidence that maybe they can beat the Spurs and Thunder without Chris Bosh, the way James and Wade are playing. I mean, they're two of the top five players in the world, and they're playing right now. And uh, I thought all along that the Heat were going to win the title this year based on the hunk. Uh, and the motivation from losing last year, and uh, I'm, I'm not flip-flopping on that prediction. Well, Rick, I want to ask you a little bit about the Spurs and, and OKC, but I want to finish up with this uh, with the Heat real quickly. I think because it, it certainly looks to me like it was game. It took game three through game three, but they finally figured out what they needed to do spacing-wise. They needed they realized that LeBron needed to be the facilitator, and you let let Wade close. But the one thing that I think that everybody's maybe missing the boat on is the fact that you got Battier stepped up in Game 5, Mike Miller stepped up again in Game 6, and Mario Chalmers has stepped up. So the periphery guys have enabled those guys to, to be a two-man gang and win these games. It's a great observation by you. The spacing wasn't there. There were a couple of bigs and three smalls in the first three games. Uh, games 4, 5, and 6, they basically went one big and four smalls, you know, with LeBron being one of the smalls. Ha-ha, we know he's not small. Yeah. Uh, but he is a perimeter player, um, and, and that's opened it up. You know, Miller had his best game of the playoffs last night. It's no coincidence. Mario Chalmers has been real good uh, in, in this series. He's had a double-digit rebound game. I think he had a 25, uh, I want to say it was game three when they got crushed, uh, and Chalmers had 15 last night. Hit a huge three at the end of the third quarter last night. It was a seven-point game. It's a buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter to make it a 10-point game going to the fourth. It was big game set match at that point uh but that's a great observation by you i, I do think that you know battier and miller and and wade and james being on the floor um it, they got an extra ball handler out there they have four uh really good offensive players you know when you consider when miller and battier are left alone uh that's a very high percentage shot all right arch obviously breaking down the tactical aspects of the half court now to the meathead fan me as rick campbell joins <laughs> us here on seven out of the zone from nba tv so obviously the thunder have got all the pieces i mean except for technically you could argue the big man you know kendrick perkins nice but is tim duncan going to be able to do everything he wants down low in this series no it's going to be tougher for him um you know against deandre jordan uh he's pillow soft uh and blake griffin <laughs> who's just not ready for prime time um, you know, and then you got Reggie Evans slamming into him. That, that made it a little bit tough on Duncan, but no. And then you had the Utah series. I know they got Big Al and they got Millsap and all these guys. Duncan steamrolled those guys. Uh, this is going to be a different animal. You're going to have Kendrick Perkins um, sticking that big forearm right in your back. Uh, and you're going to have Serge Ibaka coming up on help defense. You know, when you think you've beaten your guy and you're free, boom, there's the leading shot blocker in the NBA. I'm not saying Duncan's going to struggle. I'm just saying it's going to be tougher for him than it has been. And that's the situation with this series. San Antonio uh, beat a, a, a team of neophytes in terms of the playoffs in the Jazz. Not that impressed. They beat a totally banged-up Clippers team. Mm-hmm. So, okay, they're 8-0. But who really have they played? This is going to be the big test for San Antonio, and I don't think they're going to pass it. I think OKC is going to win. I think Durant and Westbrook are too good and too hungry. Um, and I just think this is their time. I think it's going to be OKC and the Heat in the finals. Rick Kamla, NBA TV on the Solomon Brothers Diamond Line here on Sports Radio 790 The Zone. Rick, let's look at who's going to draw the defensive assignment. Uh, obviously, the, the, the big three we're talking about with OKC, but more particularly, who gets Durant? You're talking about, I guess they can run three or four guys at Durant. Can Parker play uh, Westbrook? I mean, how do those matchups come down? Well, you know, Tony Parker said uh, that they're going to come right at uh, Russell Westbrook. And, you know, the Russell Westbrook is saying, yo, Tony, I'm coming right at you. I mean, these are two of the top point guards we have in the NBA. Uh, I don't think I would put Parker in my top five. If I did, he'd be fifth. Um, But, you know, 
they are elite point guards, and it's going to be fun to watch how that plays out. Now, who guards Kevin Durant? I don't know. You know, they, they mm-hmm. traded George Hill to Indiana to get the draft rights to Kawhi Leonard, hoping that he would be, you know, the reincarnation of Bruce Bowen. That may, in fact, be the case, but not now. The kid's a rookie. Um, you have uh, Steven Jackson, who has been a very good defensive player at times in playoff series over the years. But can he stop Kevin Durant? That gets a hell no. So to me, they, they don't have a matchup. No, I'm serious. To me, they don't have a matchup for Kevin Durant. To me, Durant should be able to do whatever the heck he wants. Uh, and you've got James Harden. Think about the Harden-Manu Ginobili dynamic. Two years ago, uh, Manu Ginobili, even if he didn't win sixth man of the year, he was the nastiest sixth man in the league. That's not the case anymore. Now Harden is the nastiest sixth man uh, uh, in the league, uh, winner of the award this year. So I see that tipping in the favor of OKC as well. I think it's going long, guys, but I think OKC is going to get them. Got about less than a minute here, so uh, brevity, brevity. Real quick, lightning round. Dwight Howard, where is he going to wind up? Because rumors are now Magic want to move him. Yeah, I, th- I think he's out. I don't know. Could be the Nets. Uh, could be the Lakers. Could be the Mavericks. Uh, well, we're just waiting day by day to find out. Did uh, somebody piss on uh, Jeff Van Gundy's Rice Krispies yesterday? <laughs> what are you talking about? He was an angry man last night. If you listen to the game, I know you watched the game. He was an angry man last night. Well, here's the thing. We do watch the games, but I'm running around looking at tape. Okay. You know, getting in there, putting stuff in prompter, you know, for the shows we got coming up. So I, I can't, you he know, not only the game and I'm paying attention, but I'm not, like, uh, hanging and, and living and dying on every word Jeff Van Gundy has to say. Well, right. He's he a salty guy. He's always got these radical changes to rules <laughs> that I totally don't agree with. Well, he not only ran over Doris Burke, he backed back over on one of her comments about the injury. So that was pretty interesting during the broadcast as well. Real quick, can Atlanta unload Joe Johnson if they wanted to because of the contract, or would there be someone out there that would take that contract? Nah, Joe Johnson's a hawk, and uh, whether we like it or not, and I like it, we're just going to have to deal with it. Joe Johnson's going nowhere. Oh, thanks. There goes, uh, there goes all the happy thoughts we all had. All the people those. are driving <laughs> off the road now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike has sold them that Joe Johnson is the cancer that keeps his team out of the yes. NBA Finals. Joe Johnson, it's like, well, oh. but, Okay, but hold on a second. But he's the guy that gets him to the playoffs every year. you got to yeah. look at the other side of it, man. Yeah, I'm, big deal. I'm yeah. I'm a glass half full guy, though. Yeah, he's making more money than LeBron. He wasn't on the first team, the second team, or the All NBA third team. There, Campbell. How do you like that for some facts? That's right. In fact, he's not even a starter for the University of Kentucky right now. That's right. (laughs) And I'd like to see Kentucky play in the Olympics, but that's a story for another day. All right, we got to go, Rick. (laughs) Have a good weekend, brother. We'll be watching. Thanks, Rick. All right, guys. All right, see you soon. You got it, Rick Campbell from NBA TV.